The International Maritime Organization has set ambitious decarbonization targets for the shipping industry, and the key dates for compliance are edging closer. By 2030, the IMO aims to reduce vessels' carbon emissions per transport work by at least 40%. By 2050, the targeted reduction is 70%. To accomplish this, the Marine Environment Protection Committee, MEPC, is passing an increasing number of regulations. In June 2021, for instance, during the MEPC 76, the Energy Efficiency Existing Ship Index, EEXI, and the Carbon Intensity Indicator, CII, were put forward. Both will come into force on January 1, 2023, and will significantly impact ship owners worldwide. Similarly, during the MEPC 77 meeting that took place virtually a few weeks ago, short and medium-term measures were discussed, as well as some key topics such as air pollution, ballast water management, plastic litters, and more. I'm Alex Valenti, your host, and two guests will be joining us today to share with us their key takeaways and analysis on what comes next. Dr. John Kokarakis, Technical Director, Hellenic, Black Sea and Adriatic Zone at Bureau Veritas Marine and Offshore, and he was also one of the BV delegates for the MEPC 77, and Vasilios Dimoulas, Technology and Innovation Manager, Greece, Cyprus and Malta at Bureau Veritas Marine and Offshore. Welcome to the Trustmakers Talk podcast by Bureau Veritas. So, John, we're going to start with you, if you don't mind. How are you today? I'm fine. I hope the same for everybody. Yes, let's hope so, especially as we get close to the break. Um, so thanks very much for uh, for joining us today. And um, I understand that you were one of the delegates that attended the MEPC 77 plenary session. Is that right? That's right. So how was it? What were your key takeaways from that session? Uh, the plenaries... The main takeaways were the following. A proposal of a levy of $100 per ton carbon dioxide to create the International Maritime Research Board. Uh, it was placed under the banner of market-based measures. It was sent for further consideration by the International Working Group 12. A levy of $2 per ton fuel expected to yield about $5 billion over a 10-year period to support research and development on green technologies. Also sent to International Working Group 12, agreement was reached to encourage utilization of cleaner fuels and technologies to reduce emissions of black carbon in the Arctic. The guidelines on scrubbers were revised. The 2021 guidelines for exhaust gas cleaning systems were created. Also, the guidance on steps to take in the event of scrubber system malfunctions or sensor failures were revised. MPC 77 approved guidance related to the application of EDI and EXI methodologies to innovative energy efficiency technologies. MEPC 77 also approved a unified interpretation related to the commissioning test during the installation of a ballast water management system. Proposals for guidance in ports with challenging water quality were also discussed. MEPC 77 did not pick the gauntlet 
from COP, Conference of the Parties 26, but it reaffirmed the commitment of IMO to an environmentally centered strategy and did manage to make tangible decisions on some important matters. Right. Well, that's quite the list that you gave us. It must have been a very busy few days at MEPC 77 uh, to come up with all that. So, as you said, it may not have picked up the gauntlets thrown during the COP26, but um, in your opinion, do you feel that already in any case what was established, what was agreed upon during MEPC 77 was a good start? Do you feel it was a, a good step forward? Well, it was expected that IMO would be propelled into higher and more ambitious decarbonization targets with higher pace of decision-making. Uh, MEPC had already adopted the short-term measures, leaving the door open for the longer-term ones. It focused mostly on unresolved business of the past following the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, it was presented with a proposal to upgrade the 2050 target to full decarbonization, zero emissions in 2050. This proposal did not gather majority support. It was regarded by some countries as being premature in the light of the expected strategy revision of 2023. Others were concerned about the impact on developing nations And a large group of delegations argued that it was preferable to focus on how to achieve the targets through the development of the mid- and long-term measures. Mid-term measures and revision of the IMO strategy will be finalized at MEPC 80 in the spring of 2023. Right, okay. So MEPC 80 in the spring of 2023 is... Uh... Well, it feels like a long way away, but we all know that time flies, especially for these big decisions. But um, in the meantime, uh, if I am correct, we also have MEPC 78 coming up, right? Sure, in 79. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, in 79, exactly. So what are the expectations for these two in the meantime? Is there anything that we're expecting from, uh, from the IMO in terms of everything you've just said and all more? First of all, let me say that uh, we all hope that uh, they will take place in live, in person, as opposed to virtually, because more work will be accomplished. An important part when it comes to emissions is the finalization of the guidelines for the regulations adopted at MEPC 76, specifically the CII Correction Factor Guideline, G5, related to the estimation of CII. The CII and the SIP Energy Efficiency Management Plan guidelines are finalized by a correspondence group, which will issue the final report in March, with approval expected at MEPC 78. Work on the life cycle analysis guidelines will also continue at MEPC 78. Amendments to improve the IMO data collection system to enable other carbon intensity indicators were postponed to MEPC 78 due to lack of time at MEPC 77. In addition, of course, 
there are going to be working groups related to harmful aquatic organisms in ballast water, air pollution prevention, and follow-up emanating from the action plan to address marine plastic litter from ships. An important item will be the identification and protection of special areas, emission control areas, and particularly sensitive sea areas, like, for example, the Mediterranean Sea. So again, quite the list then for uh, MEPC 78. There's uh, there's quite the agenda there. It is, it is. <laughs> so, well, we don't want to forget about uh, Vasilios, so I'll be moving to him in, in a second. But is there anything else that you would like to add before we go to Vasilios in terms of everything we've just discussed or something else? Yeah, the total time for uh, MEPC 77 was about 15 hours. As you realize, this is not much exactly. Of course, there were the working groups, but still the time was very limited. And it appears that the intercessional working groups for greenhouse gases are going to bear the main brunt of the work in the spring of 2022. I'm part of the working group, and we hope and pray that, that a lot of work will be done to prepare the ground for 78. Definitely, I can imagine. And as you said, hopefully this can be done in person because as we all know, we know you get as much done in a room together as you do when you're in a more informal setting that you're meeting. And that's also where a lot of decisions can take, not necessarily take place, but, you know, burgeon in a way. Plus you have many countries which do not have necessarily have the same uh, interests and it's very difficult to have an agreement. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, John, for all these insights. And now I would like to move to you, Vasilios. Hi, Vasilios, how are you doing? Hello, Alex, fine. Uh, hope the same for you and everybody. These uh, interesting, let's say, times we're passing, to say the least. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks very much for uh, for joining us today. So, as I understand, you did not attend MEPC 77, but you are uh, following very closely everything that is happening. And, and part of your work at Bureau Veritas is also advising clients on how to tackle, so to speak, all the decisions that are being made and how to address them. Is that right? That's right. Yes, the first uh, first effort is to inform them of uh, what comes up, and then uh, try to see what the impacts of what is decided is to their daily operations, and then help them uh, plan their uh, steps forward. Of course, that is no small task. So <laughs> that's up to you. Um, Indeed. <laughs> so for the first question um, I had for you was um, so the IMO uh, it would seem for the first time uh, has addressed uh, the topic of plastic litter during the. So can you tell us more about uh, maybe why it hadn't been addressed before or why it came up specifically now and, and what it is they, they said about it? Right. Well, uh, all talk is about global warming actually these days, but uh, we should not forget that uh, there are other uh, ways that man is littering the oceans and plastic litter is a th- serious threat to, to the life. Uh, you have fish, seabirds, mammals. Uh, according to the United Nations, more than 800 species are endangered by the debris that we throw away, and 80% of this debris is plastic. So at the same time, you have an IMO target of sustainable development. I think it's number 14, which is to prevent and significantly reduce uh, the marine pollution of all kinds by 2025. So it's uh, good to see that IMO is uh, recognizing now the serious problem that needs an urgent attention. 
it's not new. During MEPC 77, actually, the resolution that was adopted was uh, to enforce a previous action plan that was adopted by MEPC 73. And uh, this action plan to reduce uh, plastic litter concerns all ships, including also fishing vessels. As you understand that fishing nets are, uh, that are thrown away as waste are among the more serious threats for marine life. The ambition is to achieve zero discharge of plastic litter from ships by 2025. But of course, IMO recognizes that this may not always be possible, like in the case of an emergency when fishing gear is lost in the sea by accident or where there's a rescue operation going on. Okay, that sounds like um, quite a bit of work already is being done um, in terms of, of this. So, um How did you feel? Did you feel that this is going the right direction? There should be stronger measures adopted? Or are we are we going the right pace? Well, we're never going the right pace when it comes to the environment, but are we doing well? <laughs> well, as I said, the ambition to reach uh, zero plastic litter from ships by 2025, of course, it's, it's good. 2025 is close enough, mm -hmm. I guess. But uh, the more that is done, uh, the earlier, the better. We all know the, the way that IMO is working. It seems that they have realized that this is important and... Uh, You can imagine you have an action plan since MEPC 73 that hasn't actually been put into place. Uh, now it's, it's time to actually enforce it. Okay, that sounds promising then. And um, as we're talking about uh, pollution, I understand also that certain topics like exhaust gas cleaning systems and water ballast treatment systems, and I, and I know John also uh, quickly mentioned them, they've been brought into the committees, they're being discussed as well. Are there also interesting key takeaways that uh, that you want to share with us about these topics? Yes, of course. So for starting from scrubbers, there was the revision of the existing guidelines that uh, were uh, from 2015. Uh, this revision was long overdue and uh, it was first planned in 2019. It didn't happen. Now, these guidelines are there to ensure that scrubbers are effective in meeting the sulfur emission limits, but at the same time meeting environmental criteria for the water discharges of these systems. Uh, we have now the 2020 guidelines that were adopted and they will start to be applied after the 26th of May of 2022 on uh, new scrubber installations. Owners that already have installed scrubbers should know that the existing installation will not be affected. But uh, it's uh, interesting to say that the IMO is proposing that the revised appendix in the new guidelines that describes the water sampling requirements, these guidelines are followed by all ships when they are collecting data for effluents. Still on scrubbers, uh, you have the concept of uh, the single sensor failure and uh, a revision to the relevant circular. I think it's the 883. This was approved during MPC 77, and it provides uh, recommended actions when, uh, when a failure of a single sensor happens. Moving on to ballast water treatment systems, During MEPC 77, the main issue under discussion was uh, how to treat the cases where the vessels need to use the systems in ports with challenging water quality. John mentioned this. Uh, this is something that has troubled uh, the industry a lot, and we often receive questions from owners about this. Unfortunately, the time was not enough to finalize the relevant guidance, but various aspects about this were discussed, like, for example, Should this be a guidance that would apply to specific ports or a case-by-case -case approach? Could it be considered normal operation or a contingency measure? What do we, how do we deal bypass of the systems and other things? But however, as I said, nothing was uh, really finalized in this session. Right. I suppose we're all eager for solutions, but 
asking the right questions is part of finding the solution, right? So it's still a good step forward. Right, right. Yes, yes. Uh, the questions are indeed the right ones and the ones that we receive from, from owners. So we hope we find an answer from, from the IMO working groups, please. Right. So more work for next year still. <laughs> right. And um, well, we could talk about this for a long time, but uh, I'd like to move on to the last question I had for you for today as we're being pressed a bit for time now. But um, so energy efficiency is clearly a key pillar also of, uh, of shipping decarbonization. So Vasilios, did MEPC 77 approve the guidelines to consider alternative propulsion in technical design carbon indices? How did that go? Yes, indeed, energy efficiency is helping a lot. It's not only new fuels that are part of the solution. Being able to consume less energy is indeed part of the solution. Actually, guidelines of how innovative energy efficiency technologies are treated when calculating these indices, EDI actually, was already there since 2013 for EEDI. The guideline now is revised. It also makes mention of the EEXI. And uh, this time we have to say that a particular focus was given to wind propulsion as uh, a lot of work has been done since the first guideline in 2013 in calculating the effect that uh, these systems have on, on propulsion of ships. I give you just a few examples. You have methodologies to obtain a force matrix through wind tunnel testing of uh, sails, let's say, or other uh, wind-assisted propulsion devices. You have more accurate estimation of their effect through studying global wind probability matrices. And finally, very important, uh, there has been developments on how these systems are tested and are verified for their performance. There is still ongoing research on this topic, very interesting topic. We cannot uh, forget that uh, for centuries uh, ships were propelled by wind only. So the MEPC has agreed that uh, this guideline will be kept in development to incorporate the new research on this field as it will become available. Yeah, I get a sense that uh, from everything you've said and uh, and everything John said as well, this desire to look at it from a holistic point of view, to find a solution, a 360 degree solution um, in a way. So is there, before we conclude our session for today, is there anything that you would like to add, uh, something in particular, that a message that you would like to put forward, Vasilios? We need to be uh, patient with IMO, that's my uh, opinion, but at the same time, uh, we should also press for answers. It is an organization, as John said earlier, you have uh, all countries in the world taking place and there could never be really unanimous decisions. But I have a feeling that uh, this is the way to go to proceed and make a ship uh, decarbonize and realize the target. We have to be patient with IMO and we have to, at the same time, press uh, for answers and work to be done. Yes, absolutely. Well, in France, we have an expression that says, you know, the better is the enemy of the good. So I think it's good to move forward in small steps, but at least make small steps rather than wait for the, you know, the magic solution and perhaps never have it. That's right, yeah. Thanks to you both, John and Vasilios, for taking time to share your insight with us today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you also, Alex. It's been a real pleasure too. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Compliance with EEXI and CII is a key step toward marine decarbonization and a major leap towards developing a mindset of ongoing improvement for industry stakeholders. This will be fundamental to meeting IMO targets for long-term decarbonization and creating tomorrow's greener shipping industry. There is no doubt the upcoming MEPC 78 is under a lot of expectations from marine stakeholders who need regulators to act fast and take decisions. Thank you for listening to Trustmakers Talk podcast by Bureau Veritas.